Good morning, everyone. Well, it's my privilege to read the scripture for today and then to also offer a prayer on behalf of all the mothers and all the women uh, that have nurtured us and cared for us throughout our lives. So first, I'm going to read our scripture, and then I'll move us into a time of prayer. First, our scripture is from Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. If you want to look on your device or bring out your Bibles, here's what it says. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Good morning, everyone, and we want to thank you for joining us online, and once again, happy Mother's Day. And I just want to acknowledge all those seen and unseen things that you ladies have done. Uh, It truly does make a difference. And thank you, Tom, again, for putting that video together. Oh, man, those kids are so cute, and uh, I just want to hug my kids right now. Uh, But this week, I feel like God has really been preparing this message. Uh, It's been one of those difficult weeks, and so if you are going through difficulty, this message is for you. And so today I want to focus on what do we do in a time of waiting? Uh, How do you respond? What words come out of your mouth when you are going through difficulty? Don't say those words now. You'll probably get in trouble. (laughs) But I want to think back to when my first child was born. And I remember the pregnancy being very, very difficult at times. And there was groaning. And I remember Megan saying, Babe, I just want you to get me some more cheeseburgers. And so there'd be these late night runs where I'd have to gather as many cheeseburgers as possible, bring them home, and she would gobble them up, and it still wouldn't satisfy. She had these other odd cravings. Sometimes it would be eating ice or snow. But as we were going through this journey, there was moments of this inarticulate groaning. You know, get the baby out of me. I love you. And other times I was unsure as those hormones kind of crept in and took over. But it came to the day in which a C-section was scheduled. And so we went over to the hospital and because of complications, we went into the OR room and everything was fine. And in that moment, the doctor said, hey, do you want to see this procedure happen? Oh, no. I will hide behind the curtain. And in my head, I wanted to imagine this nice little cute zipper that he unzipped. You know, the baby would pop out and it would just be this wonderful, beautiful experience. Well, of course, that's not the case. <laughs> but what I do remember is behind that curtain, baby Hallie was taken out. And they held her up for the first time. And I remember that little cry that came out of her mouth. So I was ushered then to another room. 
in which I got to hold baby Hallie for the first time. And honestly, I had no words. Tears started to stream down my face as I held my daughter for the first time. Fast forward to the second daughter. You know, we went through a very similar pattern. C-section happened. They passed me Maya, and I was in a waiting room. But this time, Maya was crying and crying. You know, I would look down at her. Yes, there was tears of emotion, but I tried to console her. So I did all the techniques, you know, the wiggle, the shake, whatever it was. And she cried and cried. You know, 30 minutes went by. She was still crying. And at that point, I'd be like, well, I I would feed you, but kid, I got nothing. (laughs) 60 minutes went by. Still, no Megan, no doctor. This time it was the angry cry. You know, the chin was shaking. She wanted food. She was tired, or I don't know. I couldn't console her. But in that moment, I didn't know what to do. I actually remember this inward conversation that started to happen. It's like, no, I, I got this. No, you don't. I got this. No, you don't. And so I had to swallow my pride and I grabbed the phone and I called for help. And so I called Megan's mother, who's a pro at taking care of kids. And so she rushed over. I passed Maya over to Ruth. And again, still no Megan. No doctor updated us. No nurse. And at this point, I started to become very concerned. Was there complications? Did did I just lose my wife? And in this moment, I, I was overwhelmed and I could not come up with the right words. And so I said to God, just just help. I don't know what to do. But in that moment, I felt his comfort. I felt his presence, even though it was not all worked out. But just like in the story, many of us are going to face difficulty and weakness. That we will struggle. And we won't have words to muster up the the thoughts or the prayers that we want to pass on to God. That our deficiency and the deficiency of others kind of takes over and causes us to grown. These troubles can be all-consuming at times. You know, I was just talking to parents this week who are trying to homeschool their kids, and they're groaning. It's not going well. Many of us are struggling with health, or depression, or a difficult marriage, or loss, and we're all waiting for it to end. And at times, we don't have the right words to express our difficulty. So as you're going to see, God gives us the help through the instrument of prayer, not just through regular prayers, 
Prayers that seem to go above the ceiling and mediate our thoughts to God himself. Though as we can face difficulty, we can increase in our hope, no matter what we're going through. So today, as we focus on Romans 8, part 3, how do we find help in a time of waiting? So first, as we increase our hope, in our, weak, in our weakness, we may not have the words to pray. Let's just look at verse 26. This is what it says. Romans 8, 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So again, there's times where we do not know what to pray as we should. And Paul is saying that there may be times when we are so weak that the Spirit himself praise on our behalf, that, that we can't muster up the right words, that our emotions are so thick that we can't pray the words of scripture. We can't articulate our problem well. We don't know exactly what we need in that moment. And then the spirit comes. And in our moment when we have absolutely nothing, he prays on our behalf. So let's keep reading. Verse 26. It says, The Spirit himself intercedes for us with these groanings. Let's focus on the word groanings, too deep for words. And so what does it mean when he says the Holy Spirit groans? It's kind of an odd statement, actually. But it means the Holy Spirit speaks to God the Father in ways that we can't express ourselves. That the Spirit takes those inexpressible longings and translates them into the will of God. He articulates those thoughts, our needs, our desires, and brings them to God the Father but he does this perfectly. There's no mistranslations. That he knows exactly what we need in those moments of difficulty and challenge. It may be in times where we're, we're too weak, as I've mentioned. It may be in times where we lack understanding of what is actually going on. God, why? Right? But it could be in moments where we do not know the will of God. And we know that we should pray. We, we know that we should, you know, come as a person who of strength, a person of uh, great knowledge. But as we go through those difficulties, it kind of all fades away. Let's just drill a little deeper into what Paul is talking about when he says the Holy Spirit groans. He also says creation groans. In verses 19 to 22, he says creation suffers because of sin and because of all the difficulty that entered into creation at the fall, which brought ruin and brokenness and where it all started to unravel, which caused this groaning. 
But then as a result, we groan. Because in, in our lives, we are battling sin. And that as a result, that sin breaks our life apart. It, it, it tears our relationships. It causes dysfunction in ways that we are not proud of. And so we groan about the damage that sin causes in all of life. We groan as we see others that we love make bad decisions. We groan when we see gifted people wasting their life. And as we grow in Christ, we should groan because sin is something that we don't want to embrace. When I was a college student, I remember my parents waking me up late at night, telling me that one of my teachers died. And in that moment, I had no words. I also remember a moment when I found out my martial arts teacher, who was a Christian, had an affair at a Bible college, and he was kicked out. It's, it's someone that I deeply loved and respected, but in that moment, I had no words. When I was counseling a youth, who watched her parents be murdered right in front of her. At times, I could not articulate the right words to help her. But I could feel the Spirit of God interceding on my behalf and on her behalf as we walked through these difficult things. You know, and a skeptic would say, there is no point to all of this. These are just simply interruptions in our life. Try harder. Fix it. Keller says, in this approach, suffering should be avoided at any cost or minimized. That, that secular people try to smuggle in other resources to answer these types of questions. And so they borrow from other belief systems. They borrow from, you know, karma, from Buddhism, from uh, Christianity. Even though they, they disagree but they realize they have no resources outside of themselves to answer the question of why do we suffer? And Paul is saying, why? Is because we have this help that comes from, without, with, from outside of ourselves that draws us in and gives us meeting through God. And so if we're honest with ourselves, we are all going to experience these difficulties, these difficult moments in which we don't have words. We, we may experience a child who is ill and we don't know what to do. 
We may experience our own pain where we find ourselves hooked up to IV, waiting in a hospital bed for something to change. We may find some very difficult moments in life in which someone does something so devastating that we have no words. John Newton says this, that everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. So in those moments, when we have no words, God is at work. We need not to despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry working inside of us. This is how we increase in hope. When we have no words to describe our difficulty, the Spirit is working on our behalf. He's interceding and talking to God the Father. So secondly, in our weakness, we have help. In our weakness, we have more help than we know. Let's look again at Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. And we read things like this. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. And notice the theme that there's three times in which Paul says the Spirit of God is helping us. That he's helping us in our weak, frail state. The primary role of the Holy Spirit actually is our helper. That, that God sends this help so that we are not alone. First, God sent Christ to die on the cross to make a way. And then Christ ascended into heaven and then sent the Spirit, the power of the Spirit to help us in a time of difficulty. And the word intercession literally means to meet with and to converse with. It means that the Holy Spirit pleads on our behalf. That we, when we give our life to Christ, the Spirit comes in and dwells within us and changes all those broken things and makes us into a person who is more like Christ. It's like untangling all that mess, all those emotions, all those thoughts, all those difficulties that we have hidden in our heart. That as the Spirit works within us, he makes us into something better, something more beautiful, something that we can't explain without God. In other words, in our groans, they become his groans as he intercedes on our behalf. Well, the word intercedes just implies that the Holy Spirit doesn't actually do everything. That, that he communicates with God, but he doesn't do everything. But rather, he helps us. He says, let, let me grab the other end of that burden. That, that he, he just doesn't leave us alone, 
but he doesn't take the entire burden and just remove it. There's no magic pill here. There's no magic formula. But he is God with us, working it out. That sometimes it's not God's will for us to be healed, as Paul experienced. Other times it is. But think of it this way. Think of a scale in which there's a heavy burden that we are trying to balance out. And the Holy Spirit comes and helps us with that. But I think our part is that we need to ask for help. That, that we need to make movements towards God so that we are not just left carrying that alone. That we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and intercede in our behalf. That we need to spend time asking for his help. But as I was studying all the different ways in which the Spirit of God helps, I was blown away. This is what the Spirit does for us in our time of need. That he speaks to our hearts. That he regenerates us. That he anoints us. That he guides us. That he sanctifies us. That he is our helper and our teacher. Next slide. In Romans 8, he says he sets us free. He helps fulfill the just, uh, the just requirement of the law. He gives life and peace. He raises you from the dead. He dwells in you. He helps you put to death the deeds of the body. He leads us. He bears witness for us. He gives us assurance of our salvation. And the Holy Spirit is the foretaste and guarantee of that final redemption. Those are all the ways in which God has provided help through the Spirit for us. This is why we can hold on to hope. Because the Spirit of God holds on to us. He is our helper. This past week, uh, it was actually on Saturday, I was sitting on the couch going over a bunch of things with Megan, and I heard this trickling water in the kitchen. And so suddenly I looked back and I saw that water was pouring out of our kitchen chandelier. And then as I ran into the kitchen, I saw that it was pouring out of another light socket. And then it was pouring out of a fire alarm. And so in that moment, I, I became frantic. And so I ran upstairs and I saw that the bathtub was running over. And so I did the man thing. I tried to fix it. So I turned the water off. I got the shop vac out, vacuumed it all up. And in that moment, I realized that I could not fix all the damage that was done. It became apparent that I needed help beyond myself. And so I quickly called the insurance company. And they came within the hour to try and dry it all out. But here's the point. That help was already paid for. I just needed to call upon the help that was already available to me. Just like in the story, God has already given us access to the help that we need. 
When we draw closer to him, the Holy Spirit helps us bear those burdens of our mind and of our body. He helps us bear that physical pain. He helps us bear that mental depression, that spiritual conflict, that slander, that poverty, that persecution. He helps us when we fall short. He says that his grace is sufficient for us. His strength will be made perfect in our weakness. And the Holy Spirit grabs hold of our weakness and carries the part of the burden that we are facing when we go to him. Paul Tripp says this, God did not create human beings to be independently able. He designed us to be dependent. None of us has the natural storehouse of wisdom, strength, patience, mercy, and perseverance that every person needs in order to do their job well. Independent ability, like independent righteousness, is a delusion So quit beating yourself up because you feel inadequate. You feel that way because it's true. And I needed to hear those words this week. That we need to be dependent on God. We were not meant to be these independent beings who can do it on ourselves. We can't do it on our own strength. That we need to go outside of ourselves and, and tap into God's resources because we were made to be dependent on him. Especially in a time of weakness. So the Holy Spirit does not always give us advice in our time of difficulty. He rolls up his sleeves and helps us bear our inadequacies so that we can rest knowing that we have the help that we need when we turn to God. So in our weakness, we have more help than we know. In our weakness, we have help. Well, lastly, as we try to increase our hope, in our weakness, God is at work. In our weakness, God is at work. Let's look at Romans 8, verses 27. He says, And he who searches hearts knows what it is, the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so he, he, the Holy Spirit searches hearts. He knows what is it, the mind of the Spirit, that there's this beautiful relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that they work perfectly together. That the Spirit knows God's mind, and as he searches our hearts, he has complete access to every thought, to every moment, And he takes those desires and he intercedes on our behalf. He brings those those needs, those longings, those groanings to God. 
but there's no exception. He knows absolutely everything about you. So as we groan, the Spirit is like a flashlight that illuminates our heart. That all those things that are amiss, where we fall short, he wants to point us to Christ. He wants to point us to the gospel so that those things can be dismantled. So that they can be made right. So that we don't have to carry all those burdens. And he takes them to God. But in the middle of this, God is at work. God is working out his plan. That as God takes our thoughts, our mistakes, our desires, our prayers that are even off base, he's working them out for his good. Man, that that should increase our hope. That even in our lowest points of life, God is still working those out for his glory so that he will deliver us and save us, causing the very best thing to happen. This is why we can increase our hope. That that if we know Christ personally, he's working it all out for good. This past Wednesday, we were all listening with anticipation with Premier Horgan's announcement. And we were listening with hope, thinking that some of these COVID-19 restrictions would be lifted. And he's doing this under the direction of Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, to determine what is best for the people of British Columbia. And to be honest, we don't know exactly how it's all going to turn out. We're waiting. Tim Keller says this, Do you know how important hope is? Hope is an assured future. Imagine two women who have, each have a purse and they have all of their assets in there. They have their $1,000. They have basically all of their belongings in that purse. But the difference is one woman knows tomorrow that for some reason, $10 million will be wired to her bank account. And the other woman knows nothing will be coming. So imagine that those two women both got their purse stolen here in Victoria. They both had the exact same experience. However, one woman knows that tomorrow she's going to be wired $10 million. She's like, oh. Minor inconvenience, the purse got stolen. But the other woman is in total despair. Why? Because of that future hope. They both experienced the exact same circumstances. But what you know about the future completely determines how you process the present. 
And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, believers can endure that present suffering knowing that there's a better future with God. That there's a future where there is no more pain. There's a future where there is no more tears. That we get to experience life with God in heaven. That we have this future hope. That all these things, even these most difficult things are working towards. That we can endure these things in a time of waiting because of this hope. So what's causing you to lose hope right now? Are you trying to look for the silver bullet in which you can just do life better? Or do you need to turn to Jesus? You know, you're not going to find the hope that you're looking for in self-help books by watching another YouTube video. But Christ is saying, that future hope is found only in me. And for some reason, we continue to cling and search for other things that continually let us down, but we continue to look for the silver bullet. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to search all those dark places in your heart. So let go of those hidden sins. Let go of all those things that are counterfeit. All those things that you are placing hope in that you know deep down are going to let you down. So to increase our hope now and in the future, we need to be reminded of that good and gracious, merciful God that we have. That he is a plan for us even in that weakness. That in the middle of our groaning, Christ groaned for us. He groaned and walked this earth in the middle of difficulty and challenges. He groaned so that he would die on the cross for our sin. That through Jesus, we have more help than we know. We have access to God that when we go to him, we will not be abandoned like he was abandoned. That through God, he accomplished all these beautiful and wonderful things on the cross for us. So where do you go when you need help in a time of waiting? Now we need to go to God. We need to ask him for his strength. Because our strength wears thin. We need to tap into his resources. We need to ask the Spirit of God to search us and change us because God has made it possible to pray about anything, anytime, anywhere. He's given us the Holy Spirit who prays for us. What an honor, what a privilege, what a gift that is found in Christ alone. And so this morning, as we close, Where are you turning to in your time of weakness? Maybe there's someone out there that that wants to pray right now and you don't have the words. 
You don't know how to articulate that new relationship with God. Well, this morning I want to give you some of those words. And these, these prayers aren't a magic formula. They're not pixie dust that's going to transform your life right now. But it's an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to work. And he may direct you to the counsel that you need. He may direct you to a pastor so you can be discipled. He may direct you to a, a, a verse in scripture that you need to hear in this moment so that you can make movements towards Christ. So as the worship team starts, let's pray together. Pray these words. God, I admit that I am weak. And I believe that you died for my sin so that I could find a new life in you. Forgive me for my sin. And Spirit of God, fill me and change me. I commit my life to you. So in this moment, just let God work in your heart. Let the Spirit help you. Let him reveal all those things that are broken. Ask him to bring healing. Ask him to bring counsel. Let him teach you. You have more help than you know. Let's worship the King with 